Addie, something's happened to this old world of ours, that's certain. Look there. As they watched, the mercury rose. One, two, three figures. The brother and sister stared at each other, and McQuillan suddenly dropped his hand with a gesture of helplessness. Well, he said, there's nothing to be done but to wait. I, I don't understand it. They went back into the house together and into McQuillan's study, only to stand and stare at each other in silence. Then Addie made a sudden effort at conversation. Tell me about the new star, Dan, she said. McQuillan started. The new star, he exclaimed. The new star. My God, I wonder if that has anything to do with this. If the parlor maid, white and scared, came noiselessly into the circle of light within which the brother and sister were standing. You are wanted on the telephone, sir, she said. McQuillan went off. In a few minutes he came back, shaking his head. That was the observatory, he said quietly. This fog, or whatever it is, is all over the world. Over South Africa, North and South America, India, Australia, anyway. And the heat's increasing. And the reason? whispered Addie. McQuillan sat down and dropped his head in his hands. There's no man can tell the reason, he answered. He can't even make a guess at it. Something's happened, that's all. We have to wait. Wait. And he took up the letters which remained unopened on his desk and began to sort them out and to read them. Let's go on with our ordinary routine, he said. That will be best. The girl left the room, jangling a bunch of keys, but within half an hour she was back, accompanied by the housekeeper. Dan, she said quietly, the servants want to go. They think the end of the world's come, and they want to get to their homes. How do they propose to reach them? asked McQuillan. They can't see a yard before them. I told them that, Mr. McQuillan, said the housekeeper. But it was of no use. You see, sir, they all live pretty close to here, and they say they can find their way blindfolded. They'd better go, sir, or we shall have more hysterics. Give me some money for them, Dan, said Addie. McQuillan rose, and, unlocking a drawer, handed a cash box to his sister. I don't see what good money will do them if the world's coming to an end, he said with a laugh. Well, let them do what they like. When the two women had left him, McQuillan went outside again and looked at the thermometer hanging on the wall. My God, he said, eighty already. What can it mean? And then, standing there in the strange all-wrapping fog in his quiet garden on the slope of the peaceful Surrey Hills, McQuillan's thoughts turned to the great city lying only a few miles away. What was happening in London? He saw, with a small exercise of imagination, the congested traffic, the discomfort, the inconvenience, the upsetting of all arrangement and order in an ordinary fog. What, then, must be the effect of this extraordinary one? For McQuillan was sufficiently versed in science to know that the world had never, never at any rate since historical records of it had begun, known such a day as this. And supposing it lasted, supposing... And then he interrupted his train of thought to glance once more at the thermometer. Yes, Yes, he muttered to himself. Yes, but supposing the heat goes on increasing, increasing as it's increased during the last few hours. My God, it's awful to contemplate. The house was very quiet when the frightened servants had left it. McQuillan and his sister made some attempt to eat the lunch which the housekeeper had prepared, 
but the attempt was a farce, and presently they found themselves pacing up and down, from room to room, from house to garden, waiting for they knew not what. There was no change in the atmosphere, so far as the fog was concerned, but the thermometer rose steadily, until at six o'clock at night it was ninety, and they were feeling as if they must soon gasp for breath. And, unknown to Addie, McQuillan went to the telephone and eventually got into communications with Dick Cockerlin, who was still at his city office. Dick, he said as steadily as he could, are you still there? I am, came back the answer, in tones that McQuillan could scarcely recognize. And how is it with you there? One word came along. McQuillan felt it to be the only word that could come. Hell. McQuillan shivered, and again spoke. Dick, what is happening? What? And then he was sharply wrung off. From that moment he had no further communication with the outer world. Once, twice, thrice he tried the telephone again before midnight. No response was given. All around the house a silence reigned, which was like the silence of a deserted ocean. 